Tim, the times that we live in. Um, you know, I I was I was hoping to start the show today by getting into a, a little bit of ancient film history, and this is going back a ways. I mean, this is really kind of going back. But I think sometimes we have to talk to the listeners about film history because yeah. they're well educated. Yeah. And this is going way back. This is this is going way back before Elon Musk took over Twitter. Before you know <laughs> uh, the rumors of Roe v. Wade being overturned, before <gasps> even before Johnny Depp uh, had that defamation trial against Amber Heard, remember? <gasps> this is even back before Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. This is going deep. This is going to this time when a guy named Will Smith slapped another guy named Chris Rock at this thing called the Oscars. You know, it's it's like it's long disappeared from our from our memory banks, but. Um, they, they, back then, they suspended him for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You remember this? Yeah. Yeah, it's ancient it's no history. Longer, it, it, it matters, and it matters not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an astounding <laughs> thing of how, you know, we have these moments, and there they are, and we're all in this moment, and, and we're doing the press. You and I, we do the press. You know, we got together, we got all kinds of this, this thing. It matters, it matters, it matters, it matters. And then, you know, 34 seconds later, what were you talking about? What, who? Who? Oh Somebody got and, and 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 what do we have? This perfectly insane uh, thing. I guess it happened the night before we last night, right? The, uh, the, before the we broadcast thing. Yeah, yeah. before yeah. before we, before our, our broadcasting this. It's all in the news. It's a new thing. <laughs> it's like this is like all in six weeks. The new. It just every three seconds is a, there's a new thing. We're like, yeah. and and you know, I, I, this reminds me of well, it's it's kids. It's like yeah. kids when my daughter and her friends play. Their attention span is about six minutes. Mm. It's about six minutes. They're doing one thing for six minutes, then they're playing a game. I come back there, and now they're putting makeup on. I'm like, weren't you just playing it? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> they, they, can't, they can't do anything longer than five minutes, and it's and we're not we're not much better. No. Um no, no. Well, first, let's let's just let's just get into this. I, I've been putting together, trying to put together it. I may never actually finish it, but I've been trying to put together thoughts on the entire Oscar saga. Not per Will Smith per se, but just the Oscars generally, with that sort of as a starting point. And let me just say this about the the quote unquote punishment: it feels to me like like both too little and too much at the same time. Mm. It's like okay, that's that's pretty draconian stuff. Banning the guy from the Oscars for for ten years um, that's that's pretty intense. But at the same time, how many of the, those was he logically going to go to? And does this repair anything for anybody? No, this is just Oscar virtue signaling saying we did something. Mm. And it seems to be more more about their image than than actually about addressing uh, the issue itself. I so I, I'm kind of at this point I'm kind of feeling sorry for Will Smith all over again. Um, he did a bad thing, but I mean I I, I feel like the Academy has taken its eye off the ball. Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, for one thing. Will's people, Will and Will's people, got out in front of it real quick. Uh, good people. Uh, you know, he resigned. He did all. This, he did this little apology, you know, Twitterverse apology tour uh, to everybody. And and you know, and and I and I think that maybe you and I, or maybe it was in a set of emails that we would. I, I think I, I told you, you know, I got to tell you guys. And this is some time ago. This is this is you know a few days after that, and well before the Academy came out with the ten year thing. Uh, that um, yeah, the black community. Is over this already? <laughs> you, this, over is weeks, this is weeks ago. You know, we had our moment. I chit chatted about it on the radio here and there, and you know, and everybody said the right things, uh, relatively speaking. And then we were, you know, we were kind of all done. And then the academy came, you know, with its ten year thing. And I got to tell you, that was a terrible mistake. Yep. Because now, at a minimum, black folks start to feel like, well, wait a minute. 
Yeah. <laughs> now you now you're just messing with the brother. You you know, the brother said he was sorry, he did all of this, you know, you ten years like this, particularly when again Roman Polanski's still walking around with that Oscar. Uh, you know, and in and, and all yeah. of this. So it starts to feel like well now you just poking now you just now you're just messing with the homie and 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 this and this is a thing that we've worked out. Uh, you know, and and just you know, just be quiet and stand over there and don't make it worse is what the Academy should have done. Be quiet, stand over there, and don't make it worse. And and to my mind, the 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 way that you address this is you give Will Smith the Academy equivalent of community service. We'd like for you to, you know, work with some kids in some schools or, you know, uh, sponsor a something or, you know, something positive that's not punitive. Mm-hmm. When it's all punitive, you know, the, that tends to be, uh, in my experience, when everything is punitive, especially in a, in a school, right? When, when a teacher, when the school is focused on heavily punishing kids as opposed to reforming them or helping them or getting them past it. That's the school trying to send a message, a public message that it's tough. Mm. It's not focused on the kids. It's focused on its public image. It's administrators trying to get uh, their, their contracts renewed. It's a school board trying to get reelected. It's, you know, it's now you're using the kids. And that's Mm. what I feel like here. I feel like the Academy is now, they are less concerned about, Will Smith or Chris Rock than they are about their own image and their advertising revenues, and and at this point, I I kind of don't trust them anymore. Not yeah, that actually, I did, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm with you. First of all, I'm not a punishment guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I am an accountability person. Yeah, I believe in go. accountability. Don't not 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 big into punishment. I've never really understood, but but accountability is fine. And so far as accountability is concerned, yes. You if you're the Academy, you go to Will Smith and you say, hey, Will, uh, why don't we partner? In establishing whatever makes sense to establish around a thing like this, you, you, your your accountability, we're with you. We'll, everybody will throw in a few bucks, and uh, and then and then and then that will be the 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 capper, the end of all of this accountability. There we go. Uh, and 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 and, the, and and what would happen then is that the any discussion about this in the future would have to end on that note. A positive note. A positive note. You always have to craft these things so that future discussions have to end on a positive note. If you don't, then future discussions will always end on the funky bit. And And you don't want to end that on, you don't want to end on the funky bit. And and let me just point out too, the bad thing about this is, and this is why I hope they revisit this in some constructive way. We'd like to stop talking about this right now. Yeah. And they have guaranteed with this 10 year ban, that in 10 years, we're going to be talking about it again. <laughs> Literally, we'll be waiting. We'll, in 10 years, we'll be waiting to see if a 70-year-old, or I don't actually know how old he is, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, Will Smith uh, will decide to attend yeah. the Academy Awards. Not to mention, if Will happens to make a movie in, in the next 10 years that's brilliant. And, and, and gets ca- nominated and again. gets nominated. Did, yeah. You know, because that's, so you made a mess of it. And I think it's just a mess, and that's all there is to it. It's just going to yeah. be a mess. And I know I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it for the next ten years. I don't either. Well, I'm going to finish my piece then. I'm going to get him work on it uh, a little bit today. Let's move on to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Have you uh, watched any of this? Moments uh, on the news, but not the actual trial itself on court TV. I can't. I can't. Uh, you know, I, I, I gave can't. up on those quite quite some time ago. Johnny Depp. Look, I, you know, I, the actual thing itself, whether or not I read that article that she wrote in the, in the Times you know, yeah. a number of years ago and, and, and the words she used and, and, and all that kind of stuff. I can see why Don, Johnny would be kind of pissy about that. If, in fact, 
um, he, you know, um, uh, he felt that A, is it true? Yeah. And B, cost me a whole lot of money. All right, well, you know, go ahead, you know, do your lawsuit. You know, there's some judgments that came down yesterday. The lawsuit will move forward. Um, but again, I got to tell you, this is just another one of these big, ugly ass Hollywood situations. And I know there's a lot of money involved. And, uh, so he, you know, I, I do not watch celebrity trials. I feel dirty. I feel dirty. I feel like it's not really my life. It's not my business. I don't want to eavesdrop. I feel like I'm peeking through somebody's, uh, drapes when I I watch them. I really don't like it. I did. I I didn't see a single solitary second of the OJ trial. Mm -hmm. I never watched the Menendez brothers trial. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I've, I've never watched any of these. So, and I, I just don't like to, it's, I feel dirty, but what bothers me about it without taking sides and he said, she said, they said, whatever it is, uh, what bothers me about it is the way that it winds up impacting the movies. And I, and mm. I can extend this a little bit to all of this stuff that's going on now, you know, the, the, the Bill Murray movie, which oh. was, uh, mm. Aziz Ansari's directing debut, right? It was, uh, that was supposed to be, uh, you know, they paused that because Bill Murray made a joke and somebody took it wrong and it, sexual harassment, whatever. Now that's paused. And Frank Langella just got replaced mm-hmm. by somebody on on that uh, on his show. And I'm, you know, what bothers me is I feel for the people making those things. Mm-hmm. You just want to make a movie. You just want to make your TV show. You want it to be as good as possible. Johnny Depp wanted to be in more Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. As a result of this whole fiasco, we don't. We may never again see Jack Sparrow. We may never complete that arc, and and all of that bothers me because now all of this stuff impacts the creative process, and mm. I'd like to see it separated. You know, um, Woody Allen's another thing. I, I, you know, let artists do their thing, and let if they've committed a crime, the legal process will will bear out. But the court of public opinion. When that's taken into account by by companies and studios and so forth, and I understand they kind of have to, that then impacts creatives and it it narrows the ability of people like you, like me, like filmmakers and writers everywhere. It narrows our ability to make creative choices, mm. and that bothers me. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, um, uh, in, in these things, of you know, it's not like how far can we go back? Fatty Arbuckle. Can we go yeah, all the way back to Fatty? All the way. All the at way. Le- to at least, at least to Fatty, right? Yeah. And, and by Chaplin. the way, in Chaplin, Chaplin, in, in the same sort of period of time, you know, and, 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 and Fatty, Fatty didn't even do it. Um, uh, you know, Fatty completely exonerated, career destroyed. Um, I don't know. Look, I understand that, that these companies, particularly these companies that are, that are at this point not, you know, owned by individuals anymore, like way back in the day, but are corporate uh, entities and they have all kinds of fiduciary responsibilities and blah, 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 blah. And this is going to cost us money and they do things and they're protecting the bottom line. Okay. Uh, um, uh, I, I suppose that's fine. Um, but it seems to me that all of these things, the triggers are pulled on all of these things far, far, far too quickly. I agree. You know, um, uh, uh, you, you just, you know, we just, we just pull the trigger. Did I need to see another Jack Sparrow movie? No, <laughs> but on the other hand, I shouldn't be prevented Correct. from seeing another Jack there Sparrow movie on account of a bunch of crap. I just, you know, I just, I just want to choose not to see it because I'm pretty sure it's going to suck. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's just, that, that's me now. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just doing that. But for them to say, no, when I, because, you know, well, now, now I got a problem. Um, uh, Johnny w- is not in Fantastic Beasts, uh, right? Right, or right. Uh, you know, replaced not, by Mads Mikkelsen. M- by Mads, so that that movie has tanked horribly. Um, you know, I kind of think it might have tanked anyway. 
Yeah. Um, uh, but, but it does bring, bring to question that carpet decision, right? A carpet decision was yeah. made to replace Johnny with Mads because they were afraid they were going to lose money. They did, they made the move, but they still lost all the money. So, so, so what good did, did, did replacing Johnny, you know, it, yeah. you, you still lost all the money. You'd, you'd been better off keeping Johnny. Yeah. And, and, and you probably still lost all the money, but, but now you wouldn't look all squirrely. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a mess. It is a mess. It's unfortunate. Uh, but we, we, we truck on and, you know, mm. I think, I mean, the, the positive part of me feels like this business has hit so many speed bumps in its first, you know, 100 plus years, uh, that, that it's, it's still a young business by all accounts, uh, compared to publishing and theater and, you know, um, film and television, it's still a young business. It's still trying to work out the kinks. It's always going to be hitting these speed bumps that are created by things like social media or uh, technology. And um, it, it has always cleared them, I think, ultimately, because at the end of the day, what matters is story. Mm. People just love a good story. And I think good stories will always rise to the top and they will always succeed and they will always find a way to find their audience and the audience will always find a way to find the stories. So we're, we're in a rough patch and we just got to kind of work through it. But um, I think uh, I think in the end we will get there. It's just going to be bumpy along the way a little bit. I, I do see 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 one thing. I and, 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 you know, these things are perhaps not directly connected, but nevertheless, I see it happen. Story, the primacy of story is, is rising above the primacy of, of star. Um, for a long time, it was story above movie star. And then for a long time, we, we've lived in the primacy of the movie star. Story really yeah. didn't make all that much difference. And uh, hey, look, uh, um, um, uh, Tom Cruise's, uh, top Maverick. gun next Maverick coming out next week, notwithstanding. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm in, 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 I think that Tom Cruise is extremely important. Uh, to that franchise, if Tom Cruise were, you know, not here or, or you weren't in that, that movie, it wouldn't be a much of a big deal. I don't think if this were just a sequel to Top Gun yeah. from 1986, um, I don't think that that would, that it would be as big a deal as it is as a sequel to Top Gun with Tom Cruise in it. That movie star matters in that movie. Um, so there you go. Uh, and I've, I've often called him the last movie star. Uh, and uh, yes, I, and I, 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 I think I'm pretty much right about that. But uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. As story rises back to being the important thing and and uh, and, and great actors uh, from wherever they come from uh, can occupy those stories. And we don't all, and we don't think about it as hard. I think that's a good thing, man. I, I really, do. really do. I really, I do really too. do. You know, for a lot of years, we spent time. You and I both spent time trying to figure out how to make movies. And we had to hang our hat on what star we could get to be in the movie. Yeah. Because that determined pretty much everything. Yeah. That's a wee bit less true now than it used to be. You're, you're right. It's, it's, you, you, they, everyone still wants that person who's bankable, but I think there is it, it, the, you, you're, you're less hemmed into a place where you are given a narrow list of actors, none of whom are right for the part. Yeah. But who've got to be in it if we want to raise money for it. Yeah. Now the question of okay, who's right for the part? Well, that's that that has gained more more uh, credibility. That has gained more currency mm. um, in, in in the way that things have moved. And um, yeah, there's too much noise out there. There's way too much streaming product. But I, I yeah, I do feel like we're migrating back to that place where where if you're a really really good and talented actor, 
you and you may not be the biggest name, you have a better than average shot because there's so much product they can't there aren't there aren't enough stars to fill all the the roles that are out there. So there are more opportunities for you to get into something something commercial that'll be seen by an audience and people will take notice and go, oh, wow, look at that. Game of Thrones. None of those people on Game of Thrones were stars when that thing started. Nope. They are all stars now that it has ended. Yeah, they were all good, solid working actors. Yes. Uh, who, were, who, who were good at what they do, uh, but they were not but they were not movie stars. Hey, look, and 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 this difference, uh, you know, gives us an Ariana DeBose, uh, you know, from, from Spielberg's. Exactly. Uh, this is a kid that came up on uh, So You Think You Can Dance, man. I know. Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, so we, but we got her now. She's in there now. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, we can go through a whole bunch of movies and, and, and pick out a whole bunch of, of folks, you know, uh, even older folks, you know, like, like, uh, the cat who was in, uh, that, uh, sound of, uh, metal movie who won oh, yeah. an Oscar a couple of years ago, but, you know, playing yeah. the, the, Troy, Troy, um, from, all these from stuff. Dakota. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, these people who, uh, again, all these people were in the business acting for years. None of these people started yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but now they have these opportunities and they, and they get recognized. And I think that that's a big, that's a big deal. It makes a difference in the world. So, you know, there you go. So, uh, before we move on and, and hit up, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays, let's talk about Dave Chappelle for a second, which happened yeah. last night. For those yeah. who, who may not have caught up with the news cycle, um, <laughs> Dave Chappelle was tackled by someone on stage at the Hollywood Bowl during mm. the uh, Netflix is a joke tour. And um, popped up, made a joke right after while security went and beat the crap out of the guy in the wings. I, I heard Jamie Foxx uh, yeah. <laughs> took his piece as well. And uh, the guy had like a fake gun with a little switchblade on it. So who knows what he intended to do, but we'll find out more in the in the coming days. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, Dave made light of it. Chris Rock made light of it, made mm. a Will Smith joke, uh, mm. which not not a hard joke, to be honest. But, <laughs> no, it was right the there. Fact, but it was it was sort of laying right there. Uh, Jamie Foxx weighed in. Everybody else is good. Um, but this is, you know, I, I come come at this two different ways. First of all, this is not good now that con- yeah. we, we used to understand comedians were off limits. You don't attack a comedian. Yeah. The joke, I mean, it, Godfrey Cambridge used to say, and Godfrey Cambridge, for those who don't know, you know, this guy came up in a, in a, in a rough, a rough bit. Originally, you know, uh, Caribbean, uh, yeah. Caribbean born parents, at least his dad, I think. I don't think his, his, his mom was, I think, from New York, but he grew up, you know, in a rough patch in New York. And, uh, when he started doing comedy around the, you know, same time as, uh, all the rest of those guys in the, in the, in the late fifties, yeah. uh, he used to say, as long as people are laughing, nobody gets stabbed. <laughs> and until last night, that was true. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so we're in a bad spot now if making jokes is going to get you stabbed. And now we got to figure out a, a way out of this situation. I'll turn it over to you. Well, you know, there, there it is. Uh, the, the event itself. Look, I, I, I really love the resilience of, of these guys, Dave and, and, and Chris and, and Jamie Foxx on the resilience, right? I mean, that was a scary situation that could have, that could have, you know, been a John Lennon sort of thing, but it wasn't, right? And, and when, and when it came to be clear that it wasn't, uh, then these guys, uh, did not get hysterical. Uh, they did not get out of hand. Uh, they took it and they, and they moved it, which is what comedians do into the space where it needed to be. Yeah. A space where we, we can make fun of it. Uh, uh because, you know, again, uh, he didn't get stabbed. He, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they, they, they very quickly took it and moved it to the space where it needed to be. They made fun of it. They made fun of him. They made fun of the world in which goofy crap like this can happen. And hopefully, that sort of resilience, that sort of uh, deep, um, it, it goes way back. It goes back to Lenny, 
Yeah. Uh, Lenny Bruce. Lenny was resilient. Of course, it was the cops that would run on stage to kick his ass. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> you know, the point of it is, he was resilient and he just kept ticking. And fortunately, I think that, um, that our comedians here are, are, are that way. They're resilient. They're going to keep ticking. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that the audience out there will finally get it through their thick skulls. We, the audience, that it's just a fucking joke. <laughs> it's it relax it's it's, it's just really, a joke it's just true joke. it is so true i mean um comedy comedy is and again again i will go to this this point because i am a student of the history of stand-up comedy stand-up comedy begins in the united states and it begins in two communities it mm. begins in the jewish community and in the black community and it comes out of the 1940s it comes out of of, of Yiddish theater and it comes out of the Chitlin circuit and you suddenly have these inner city clubs where black comedians are playing because they're not allowed to play white clubs mm. and you have these Catskillian clubs where Jewish comics are playing because it's the only place where Jewish comics can play. Discrimination mm. fueled pain which then found comedy as a way of dealing with that pain. And what happened was those communities became mainstream. Those comics became famous mm -hmm. and discrimination was defeated by comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think people sometimes miss the fact that comedy is, is healing. And even if you feel like there's some pain in it, you're supposed to feel that pain because then it makes the pain go away. And as Dave Chappelle has said many times, um, being, you know, that comedy is, is supposed to be irresponsible. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. If you're responsible, it's just not funny. So, um, you know, with that, we'll we'll move on. But I think we're good. We're good. So I'm going to talk about uh, some some bargain stuff now. One of the things that we have sort of let slide in, uh, recently are some of these amazing compilation sets where you can get, you know, DVDs are still a thing. You spend a few bucks, not a whole lot, and you get a whole bunch of movies in a, in a collection in a set. And they're doing a really, really smart job with a lot of these now. These are movies that, that don't stand on their own. They're not worth buying independently. But when you buy them in, in you know, a, uh, a, a, a triple feature, quadruple feature, yeah. 10 film collection, some really great stuff out there. So here's some of the stuff that stands out to us. I uh, got a couple here from Corinth, uh, who mostly does foreign films. But Corinth has a couple of great sets. This one is Drive-In Retro Classic, science fiction triple feature. Yeah, yeah, Terrific. Man. <laughs> All three of these are great B-movie classics. It's really worth having. Rocketship XM, The Hideous Sun Demon, and The Brain from Planet Eris. I literally watched Rocketship XM this past weekend on it, television. Terrible print, and this is so much better. It, it, it's because of broadcast all the time yeah. on the, on Comet. Oh, yeah, yeah, look, you still it's, do. it's fun, right? It's, I love that stupid movie. It's so fun. And I'll tell you what. You know one of the reasons why I love that movie? It's interracial. What what year is that? Yeah. 1950, man. 1950. Yeah. Inter interracial space movie <laughs> in 19 freaking 50. It's fantastic. Because it's made for the drive-in set. And and the drive-in kids weren't preoccupied with that. Yeah, they were yeah. like, whatever, you know, we didn't fight in World War II. We don't, um, you know, whatever, you know, just show us something that's entertaining. Uh, the Hideous Sun Demon from 19... These are all nuclear age things, yeah. right? Post-World War II, all from the 50s. Hideous Sun Demon is hilarious. Um, just the worst makeup ever, but it, that's, that's the whole point. Really, really great stuff. And, uh, Robert Clark, by the way, who stars in it, also, uh, co-directed it. And then the brain from planet Eris is not as well known, uh, no. but it's actually, it's not bad. There's some really interesting filmmaking in this as well. 
Um, you know, it's about an alien that crash lands in the desert in California, which of course is the cheapest place to shoot in 1958 because you don't have to build anything. <laughs> Great. Just go out to the desert. You don't even need permits. Just go out and shoot. And cops are never going to find you. It's fantastic. No, it's, uh, there's actually some really, really interesting stuff in here and, uh, very much still rooted in that Cold War fear, Cold War parano- paranoia moment. And then also from Corinth, we have a terrific, uh, collection of historical drama. This is the uh, five-film collection, Historical Drama. And these are five films that are all based on actual events. There's there's Haberman, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-N-N, The Chronicles of Melanie, Calm at Sea, Remembrance, and Within the Whirlwind. Uh, I'm going to say Within the Whirlwind, which was made in 2009, is absolutely tremendous. This is mm. the best of all of them for me. Uh, this is about a um, uh, Ev- Evgenia... Ginsburg. So glad I didn't destroy that. Uh, <laughs> Kenya Ginsburg, who was a professor of Russian literature, and um, she was uh, arrested, you know, during uh, the the reign of terror by um, Stalin, mm. um, and uh, sentenced to a, a a term in a gulag. And um, you know, Soviet dissident story, just absolutely tremendous. Uh, beautifully, beautifully directed by Marlene Goris, who who won an Oscar about. 25 years ago. Uh, and uh, Emily Watson is just absolutely wonderful in the mm. lead part. Um, it's really, really good. Within the Whirlwind. Didn't get enough traction here. Yeah. Uh, Chronicles of Melanie, which was made just a few years ago, is uh, the, the story of a, um, uh, um, a deport, Soviet deportation from Latvia, mass deportation from Latvia, which we often overlook because of uh, what, you know the fact that what was happening in Germany just overwhelmed mm. all of it, but it's um, it, quite an impressive film as well. Chronicles of Melanie. Uh, Remembrance is a uh, concentration camp love story. It takes place in uh, 1944. Uh, that not to make it sound trivial, but it's actually very, very moving and very, very powerful. And then uh, Haberman is a uh, co-production between Germany and the Czech Republic takes place in uh, 1938 uh, centered around the, uh, the the issue of the Sudetenland which yeah. prefaced World War II and then uh Comet Sea which is also World War II story uh takes place uh, with French resistance World War uh, German during German occupation uh the story of Guy Moquet who is this powerful powerful resistance figure so all these based in truth and really powerful stories and uh you can get five of them in one set courtesy of Corinth yeah. right Fantastic, man. Um, we also have the Through the Decades collection, which is from Mill Creek. They've done a great job here of uh, putting together some some terrific films that represent each of these decades. From the There's Through the Decades 12-film collection in the 1960s, Through the Decades 11 films representing the 1970s. They've got 10 for the 1980s, and they've even got 10 for the 1990s. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of crap in here, but there's a lot of really, really good stuff, too. Uh, the, their 12 films from the sixties include stuff like hook, line and sinker, which is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando and Jane Fonda with Robert Redford in the chase, you know, from 1966 under the yum, yum tree, great Jack lemon, uh, Carol Lindley, Dean Jones movie. Um, the, the Stephen Boyd Genghis Khan with Omar Sharif and James Mason is a terrible film, but it's an important film. And, uh, that's from 1965. Um, got Warren Beatty and Gene Seberg and Peter Fonda in Lilith. I mean, a lot oh, of really yeah. great stuff here. So that's pretty terrific. Uh, from the 1970s, 
They zero in on stuff like the last detail, the Anderson oh, yeah. tapes, fun with Dick and Jane, the owl and the pussycat. How do you not want this? Yeah. You, and, you, and, you, and, and what's interesting about all of those feature films, those wonderful, wonderful, wonderful feature films, none of those movies, uh, even from that first set that you mentioned, none of them could be made as theatrical feature films today. True. Not a single one. Uh, would, would anybody at a, at a big major studio green light as a theatrically want to release it as all of those films were today? Not Gotta a single that. one. Not a, it, it, all of those are, you know, and, and there they are, you know, we'd see them. They would all be made. They'd be made, but we see them on Amazon or Netflix yeah. or something. None of them would be theatrical today. And I think that that's just a big, big problem, man. Same big, thing big here. With the same thing here with these films from the 1980s. Blue Thunder, Suspect, yep. Roxanne, Steve Martin's Roxanne, Punchline with Sally Field and Tom Hanks. Yep. And a great supporting part by John Goodman. Um, the uh, Little Nikita. Remember that was Sydney Oh, Bonnet, yeah. River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. River, I think that might have been River's second to last movie. Yeah. Um, Dudley, uh, Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron in Like Father, Like Son, body switching yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, vice versa, the other body switching movie, Judge Ryan Holmes, <laughs> Fred, Fred Savage. I mean, you know, it's like, even you know, there's a lot of great stuff here. And um, particularly those comedies, uh, those comedies would really have a tough time getting made today. Yeah, who's Harry um, Crumb? Who's Harry Crumb is also oh about John Candy. I mean, yeah. that would never get made today. That'd yeah. be a Netflix. Special. Yeah, you. What's funny is out of all of those movies you mentioned, the one that might still get made and theatrically released, you know, technology wise and all like notwithstanding, is Blue Thunder. I agree. I was just going to say that. That's the one that some somebody in a studio executive would say. That's the one. That Pete. That's Peter, right? Peter. Uh, Peter. Uh, Peter. Hi. Uh, Peter. Uh, no, that was that's uh, uh, no Blue Thunder was was uh, John Badham. John Badham, John Badham with uh, with uh, Roy, which uh, in the Roy Schneider, Roy the, 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 the helicopter yeah. movie, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, and that, and I guarantee you that will be remade one of these days. Somebody's going to get an itch, and they're going to remake Blue Thunder, and it'll be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> unless they get John Badham to direct it, in which case it'll be great again. We interviewed uh, John, didn't we? Interview we John? Did we sure did for his yeah. book? Yeah, people should title. look that up. That that was a great talk. Uh, and then from the 1990s, we got House Sitter, Steve Martin and Goldie yeah. Hawn, terrific yeah. supporting part with Dana Delaney. The only thing wrong with that is the ending. Um, got uh, Janine Garofalo in the Matchmaker. Got Marlon Brando and Matthew Broderick in the Freshman. For- oh man, so still so good. Uh, Donnie Brasco, Al Pacino, and Johnny Depp. Last and time Johnny was- Depp was actually really good. Is One Donnie true Brasco. thing with Meryl Streep, Renee Zellweger, and William Hurt is an amazing, beautiful movie. drama. I just want to say that's a beautiful, beautiful film. I reviewed that. Was, so, was, was that Uli, Uli, Uli Grosbar? Who, who uh, no, One True Thing was uh, Randa Haynes. That was Randa, okay. I believe yeah. that was Randa Haynes, yeah. Mm. But, uh, you know, all of these just, you know, and, and what's great about this is that's 40 years of film history condensed into some really well-curated films by Mill Creek. So highly yeah. recommended there. Um, we also got some some uh, four-bangers from Paramount. Paramount's doing this thing where they're taking a lot of their films that, that exist as independent DVDs, and they're putting them into little four-film sets. And um, I guess it's because they got some inventory left over, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So um, here's what we got here. We've got this first one is uh, the Funny Fools four movie collection, which includes, get ready for it, <laughs> Pootie Tang, Brain Donors, <laughs> Gung Ho, and Crazy People. Uh, well... Now, uh, you, and now, some of these movies couldn't be made <laughs> for yeah. other reasons. Yeah. Gung Ho, you, you, you probably couldn't make Gung Ho today for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, not having, you know, being, being, being a fairly middling comedy, notwithstanding, although I, I saw Gung Ho in theaters and I thought it was funny. 
um, uh, back then. Uh, Pootie Tang. Too soon for Pootie Tang? Or, no, nah, Pootie Tang's still can, great. Love can we get there? Can we get there? We can get there. That's, C- that's, uh, that's CK. That's and, uh, and, uh, that's right. Louis CK wrote it. Yeah. Uh, but for, you, know, you, you don't need to know that. But <laughs> crazy, pe- crazy People may be my favorite of this. If, if people don't remember Crazy People, Crazy People is uh, Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul Reiser's in it as well. Dudley Moore is a guy who, who, for reasons the film will explain, he's an advertising executive who just has this, this, this brainstorm that better to be truthful than to try to really do true advertising. We'll just be straight up honest with you. And it winds up taking off. Like, for example, for example, there's an ad, Sony, bony. I don't even know what that meant. It's hilarious. And then Volvo. They're boxy, but they're good. This movie kills me. It's so funny. That movie, too. I don't know if you remember. What year was that? Oh my gosh! Because the year that the year the crazy people came out, uh, a group from a you know 1990. Psych- 1990 psychological association or something came out and yeah. objected to the title. Yeah, it's too crazy bad. people. They objected to it. That so you know, then there you go. You, you're always going to have somebody. But yep, that happened. Good. Okay, that's just yeah, that's just too bad. Uh, favorite actresses for movie collection. This is terrific. Falling in love with uh, Meryl Streep. Mm. Rose Tattoo. It started in Naples, and on a clear day, you can see forever. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to say, look, Rose Tattoo and Started in Naples, kind of the ringers in this. They're, you know, they're not bad. But look, Falling in Love, De Niro and Streep is fantastic. And uh, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever is great. It's, it's you know, Bar- Vincent Minnelli directing Barbara Streisand mm-hmm. with a screenplay by Alan J. Lerner. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Jack Nicholson, you know, walks into this thing. Bob Newhart walks through. It's it's absolutely wonderful. I, uh, you know, so that's a that's a great set. Mm hmm. Um, then we've also got, uh, let's see here. This is the favorite actors for movie collection. Collection. Okay. This has Bang the Drum Slowly. Oh, wow. More De Niro. Yeah. Uh, the Two Jakes, you know. Jack- hey, you know I like the Two Jakes, you I, know. A, a lot of people really were unfair to this thing. Look, yeah. it's a sequel to Chinatown. Jack's doing his best as director. Comes back as star. I think it actually works. It's only one of only two movies that Jack directed. Yep. There's only one problem with the Two Jakes is is that it was made uh, literally 14 years too late. Yeah, um, that's, that's 1990, right? Uh, when, when they made it, they should have made that movie a decade sooner, and then and then 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 everybody makes sense. Because I think Robert Town was supposed to direct it. He was, and he walked off. Yeah, and, and and all that kind of stuff. And boom, and Jack took over and did a great job. And I like that movie. It's just, it's just you know, they made You're it a right. little too late. It, it's a little too late. Uh, Fat Man and Little Boy, which oh, is going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan <laughs> is now doing the Oppenheimer biopic, which this kind of uh, overlaps a little bit with. This is Roland Joffe directing uh, Paul, Newman Paul Newman in the sto- in the story of the you know the creation of the atomic bombs. Uh, that were known as Fat Man and Little Boy that were dropped on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, not Roland Joffe's finest hour, but Newman is very, very good in it. And uh, I think this film ages better than uh, than I thought at the time that I saw it. I actually think this film still has has some, it's got some juice. Interesting I, that uh, Oppenheimer in that movie is played by Dwight Schultz, who of course yeah. played uh, Murdoch, you know, the crazy helicopter right. pilot in the 18 and everything. Right. And, 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 and he was in a lot of Star Trek. You got to be a Trekkie, but he was in all that <laughs> stuff. And it always, it always just strikes me as, as odd that, that he's the guy who's played you know, Robert Oppenheimer could, in that movie. Could, could I just say that the funniest, the funniest thing that I have seen, I don't care how you feel about uh, Elon Musk and Twitter or any of that stuff, but the funniest thing I've seen in a long time was William Shatner pitching himself to be spokesman 
before Twitter <laughs> and saying that he considers uh, Elon Musk to be quote unquote adorbs. And then, <laughs> and then Elon Musk replying, you will always be my captain. I'm sorry, man. The richest man in the history of modern civilization just told William Shatner, you will always be my captain. I'm sorry. He doesn't, and he doesn't hold it against him that he went into space on, uh, on oh, the Bezos uh, rocket instead of him. On, on the penis rocket instead of him. Hey, look, I'm, 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 I know we're not going to talk about it, but I'm all for Elon. Buy Twitter as so long as I can send him a tweet every day. Uh, <laughs> I'm a, directly to Elon. I can tweet him every day. Yo, dude. Yo, dude. Yo, dude. <laughs> and he may reply. Uh, dete- and then the last one here in the in the in the uh, the actors uh, collection, the uh, favorite actors is de- Detective Story with Kirk Douglas, which is absolutely fantastic yeah. and a, an all time classic, uh, directed by William Wyler, who you know could do no wrong at this point in his career from 1951. So uh, you know that's that's a great set. Uh, then we got a few more here. Um, the uh, Golden Age of Hollywood four-movie set, mm-hmm. which includes The Court Jester, Elephant Walk, Teacher's Pet, and The Rose Tattoo. Ooh, elephant Walk. Yeah. I love, I love that movie. Uh, I, you know, I love all of these. I really do. I, I think The the Rose Tattoo is um, kind of the, the – it's the real heavy one in here. Yeah. And The Court Jester is the really light one, Danny Kaye. But, I mean, you know, all of these are terrific. Elephant Walk is a really good film. Teacher's Pad is a really good film. You can't go wrong. Um, interesting set here. This next one, which includes uh, Let It Ride, BB's Kids, Cool World, and Beautician and the Beast. Yeah. Um, this is a. This is really a... I did the junket for every one of those. (laughs) This is is so, this is such an interesting uh, comedy set, you know, um, because Let It Ride is the one that I tend to focus on a little bit because this was uh, directed by, what's his name? The, uh, the, the, the commercial director guy. Uh, 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 Joe, what's his name? Uh, Joe Pitka. uh, Yeah. yeah, And it was, it was, it was sort of the film that almost sank his career because he's Mm. an amazing commercial director. He's directed, you know, some of the greatest commercials of all time. He did Let It Ride. It was his feature debut, Tanked. Mm. Shouldn't have tanked. Richard Dreyfuss is no. a gambling addict. You know, it's it's funny. It's Every funny. fucking body is funny in that movie. Uh, Richard Terry Gar is, yeah. is still Alan Garfield. It, the great Alan Garfield is hysterical, and the Jennifer Tilly. It was, I, I don't know what people. It's I mean, ridiculous. It, it, yeah, and then and then he eventually got uh, uh, you know uh, Space Jam, uh, which was did fine, I guess, but never really directed another movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, BB's Kids, you know, the late oh, Robin Harris. Have, I mean, it's a wonderful movie. I, I so miss Robin Harris. You know, uh, first, uh, first of all, the Hullen, Hullen Brothers. Yeah, uh, uh, I think I think it was right after Boomerang. It that, was. That, that they that, that they made that movie, and I got to tell you again, I say this all the time on the show. In the black community, yeah. there is no more important animation. That 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 movie right there is as important to us as Snow White and the freaking Seven Dwarfs from it, it, from it nineteen whatever for the uh, for the Proud family. Uh, the Proud yeah. family, a whole swath of of animation. Um, um, uh, the, 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 and it's just hysterical and it just reflected something true about the black community and it was, it was a lot of fun. Love that movie. We don't need to talk about Beautician and the Beast. It's, you know, no. Fran Drescher doing her thing, whatever. Yeah. But, but Cool World, let's just say something about Cool World for a second. You know, Frank Bakshi, um, has not done a ton of movies, but the ones he's done are all pretty memorable. The, you know, all the way from, uh, the, the very scandalous early Fritz the Cat stuff yeah. to, uh, to the Lord of the Rings stuff, and then heavy metal, and this, and you know, we are going to talk about heavy metal uh, today as well. But yeah. Cool World 
kind of got swept away. I worked at the, I was a, an assistant manager at the theater that opened Cool World, and I remember you know people just kind of dumped on it. But mm. I thought it's a pretty daring movie. You got to give him props for taking some risks there. Yeah, I think so. Look, you know, it, you know, not since Walt had um, uh, who was it, Gene Kelly dancing around with that mouse. Yeah, but was that was that that was Walt and that was, not since then. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, I think uh, you know there's a little bit of it was uh, Don Knotts who was in that movie. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, the Fish. Mr. Limpet. Mr. Yeah, so we're talking about the you know the you know, the 40s and the in the in the yeah. early 60s that had live had action. Yeah, just sort of drive drama. these things together here, and I nah, anyway, I thought it was it was sexy. It was an adult. Thing. Kim Basinger yeah. is, is a lot of fun in the movie. I don't know. Young Brad Pitt. What are you going to do? I liked it. And then we've got a uh, cult horror collection here. The uh, cult horror classics horror movie collection, which has April Fool's Day, My Bloody Valentine, uh, Vampire Hunter, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, and uh, Frankenstein the Monster from Hell. I, you know, the, I don't particularly like any of these, including the uh, Hammer production of Frankenstein the Monster from Hell. I guess uh, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter might be the best of a bad lot, but look, these aren't my kind of movies, so... That's the old My Bloody Valentine, right? The one that's from 80, the original, 81, correct. the original from... That okay, correct. That yeah. was, that was, that was, that, you know, that launched a little run of yeah. a certain kind of movie, too, there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the uh, classic Westerns uh, four-film collection, which has the Tin Star, Branded, Three Violent People, and Posse. Interesting range over yeah. a, a number of decades. Uh, you know, Henry Fonda in uh, in the Tin Star with with Anthony Perkins, pretty 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 solid stuff. Uh, you know, branded. Um, you know, relatively memorable. Um, posse kind of Mar Mar Mario's Posse, right? Not Mario's Posse. Not Mario's Posse. Okay. That's what I wanted to point out too. This is not Mario's Posse. This is the other Posse that everybody's forgotten about from 1975 ah. with uh, with Bruce Dern and Kirk Douglas and and uh, uh, I, I think Bo Hopkins is in this thing as well. Um, this was this was actually directed by Kirk Douglas and it didn't do much business. It's not a terrible film, but 1975 as mm. two Jakes is a little too late for this movie. A little too this late. This movie yeah. belongs in 1965. It belongs yeah. 10 years earlier so it uh it arrives in a moment when it's 1975 people aren't watching westerns anymore you know they yeah. want to see network and rocky and cuckoo's nest and all that and, and to the extent that they are watching westerns you're watching uh revisionist westerns uh, that's the, it the, the, the little big man whatever yeah uh, that kind of thing yeah exactly exactly so different different moment but anyway there it is um, so Tim, let's move on to other stuff. We can do some new movies. We could do 4K. What I just look at the 4K. I, you grab, right. grab that singing in the rain. Uh, it's because so, I, first of all, first time singing in the rain on 4K. Really? Is it really? Yep. Or Blu-ray? Anything really? Wow. It's been on, it's, it's, it's been on Blu-ray multiple Blu times. Okay. okay. But it has never been on 4K. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, it's, yeah. they did a number on this. I mean, it's, very, very, very impressive. Uh, they they maintain the grain. They don't oh, they don't do what 4K often does is which, which is give you so so like so much detail where you're going like oh wow Debbie Reynolds must have <laughs> that day. That's a that's a bummer. They didn't cover that up very well. That's uh, really no, problematic, man. I, it is, isn't it? With with a lot of these 4Ks, I, I sit there like six inches from my TV, <laughs> and I'm like, not even paying whoa. attention to the movie. I'm I'm like all. 
Ooh, that, that looks Whoa. like uh, like you, it looks like you got a rash. You got <laughs> kind of, some kind of kind of eczema over there on your ear. It's so not fair. It's so right. not fair. And it's really you know men whatever with the men with, with the ladies. It's just like super it's, not fair. It's really un- it's unfair. But this is the uh, 70th anniversary, and they've done a real number on this. The colors pop. It's it's like watching it projected. And if mm. you've ever seen Singing in the Rain projected. It's magnificent. So this really, really does it. Does I, was, um, I was, um, I was, um, I was, I was Stanley Donan's uh, projectionist. No kidding. And uh, and 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 a weekend lecture series that he taught you. I, I was his Ronald Neem. There were a few of the I old. Remember, ones. you did Ronald Neem. I yeah. didn't know Donan yeah. was part of that. I, I used to do Ronald Neem's class all the time. Like I was his projectionist, but Stanley just was like a one you know thing, and he did. And I and I saw. So it was like my my little my little claim to fame there. Oh, that's so I, great! I, I strung up singing in the rain. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, it it is absolutely gorgeous. It has the original commentary on it with Debbie Reynolds, Donald O'Connor, Sid Charisse. Don and Condon and Green, Boz Lorman weighs in, Rudy Belmer weighs in. You know, it's 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 pretty terrific. Uh, so yeah, this is um, this is this is this is just great. And um, you know, you can you can jump to the songs. You, you, you've got um, featurette stuff on here. I mean, you got to get this. You just got to. Mm-hmm. Um, also on 4K, interesting movie with Hilary Swank and um, Michael Ely called Fatal. Mm-hmm. Which I did not see in theaters. Did you see Fatal in theaters? By no, it must, I must have missed it. That that. No, wait a minute. I take it back. I did see this movie in theaters. This is one of those. This is one of Dion's movies. Yeah, Dion, who I I, I call the hardest working black man in Hollywood. Dion has made more movies than Spike Lee. That's it. Dion. And all every other uh, every other black film we could put together. Dion yeah. makes a movie every twenty minutes. This is actually pretty good. Michael Ely and Mike Coulter and and Hillary Swank in a lot of these movies, and it lives in that. Um, Oh, what, what was the one? Uh, Fatal Attraction area. That's it. It is. It's very much of that. I gotta say, you know, Dion. Dion's an interesting guy. He he's a little bit like Takashi Miike in that sense. He just works so hard and so instinctually, mm-hmm. right? That that he's one of these filmmakers that doesn't really think about what he's doing. He just keeps working. Ridley Scott, we could argue, is doing that a little bit now, but I think that's because he's getting older and he's, yeah. the clock's ticking and he's trying, trying to get it all in. About, yeah, trying, trying to get, get it all in. in. Yeah. But but every so once in a while, when you work instinctually, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But once in a while, like Takashi Miike, I mean, you look at Miike's filmography, you're like, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap, that's crap. Oh, that's amazing. That's a good one. <laughs> and you land on a good one. And uh, I think Fatal, I think it's interesting they chose this for 4K. This is Lionsgate uh, because it really is good. Michael Ely is really good in this. Mm-hmm. And Hilary Swank is really good. And, uh, you know, if if you don't watch any other uh, Deion Taylor movies, this is the one to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that quite a lot, Mary Shelley. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's do, would let's you, do Mary Shelley. Well, only because it's, it's Branagh's. It's Branagh's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Branagh's Frankenstein. And I remember in ninety two, three, four, whenever they made this movie. Yeah. You know, it took a pretty good beat down. Oh man. Um, uh, it took a pretty De-, De Niro as the as the uh, monster uh, and all. And uh, but I but I also remember seeing this movie, uh, in, in in Frank Darabont's screenplay and in. And I just didn't hate it nearly as much as everybody else. It did not look good, even in 94. Uh, it was not a good-looking movie. But I thought there were just some decent performances. You know, Young Branna, you know, in the hell in the bottom card. Some good performances in this movie. And generally speaking, I appreciated the Nero's interpretation of the monster. You know, he couldn't do the big thing with the square head and the shoes and all that kind of crap. He had to do, uh, you know... And I have I have a theory about movies like this, and it and it pertains to a lot of the stuff we just talked about in all of these these um these Paramount sets. 
And and when we talk about movies that that didn't succeed at the time, and we look at them in hindsight and they age well, what are we actually saying about those movies? And here's what I think we're saying. And you you may remember this because when I when I taught my uh, uh, Mount St. Mary's class, mm -hmm. I I uh, I told them I said you can read a movie three ways, and you need and you need to. There's text, there's subtext, and then there's also context. And mm -hmm. text and subtext, that's that's easy. But context is the one that helps us understand why a film is viewed one way at one point in time and another way at another point in time. It's why, for example, um, we we here we are decades after the fact and Song of the South is still mm -hmm. very incendiary. Mm -hmm. It's why... Um, why some movies just don't hit when they're released and and then they're huge it's why 2001 didn't succeed originally and then over it's more revered now and it mm. wasn't really respected in 68 i i think what was happening at this point in time because this is not a bad film brand no. you know no. some people ripped on brana taking his shirt off playing you know, <laughs> yeah, the, abs and the abs yeah. and the whole yeah. thing it's like look look here's what's going on they had just done uh, Dr Bram Stoker's Dracula. Coppola had just done Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. which was, you know, largely respected because it was such a fascinating alternative take on Dracula. And, you know, it had so many interesting things going on. And Gary Oldman was, you know, just hamming it up. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I think they, they said, okay, and Universal keeps doing this. They keep thinking we can do a new monster period. You know, they keep flubbing this. Like it's not, a, it's they not. Just, a, they blew it very recently. <laughs> very recently yeah. with the mummy and Tom yeah. Cruise. Yeah. They, they seem to think that this is a Marvel like universe. It's not each of these properties. Forget about the 1930s when they were all made originally. Each of these properties lives in its own universe and you can't tie them all together. And Branna understood that. And Branna came in with his own revisionist take on Frankenstein that was so different from what people saw in Dracula that I think they just naturally rebelled against mm, it. Mm. They weren't willing. They wanted a Frankenstein that was like, that was like Bram Stoker's Dracula. And, and it's not. Um, it's very much its own thing. And I, and I think it ages well now that we have outlived that baggage. Now that we're out mm -hmm. of that context, we're in a new context. I look at this and I think Branna did something really interesting and very brave. And I'm sorry that they didn't appreciate it at the time, but man, it really is. It looks spectacular in 4K. I think it looks better than it looked projected at the yeah, time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they've really fine tuned the color and and you know gotten the timing just beautifully. Uh, the audio is to die for. I mean, it's got a DTS 5.1 surround audio track that is just absolutely to die for. Really amazing. The, the score just hums it's 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 really beautiful and this is a great score by the way i mean yeah patrick doyle who does all of brand stuff absolutely just wipes it out here um but yeah tons of other extras on here uh stuff on mary shelley you know a great documentary on how the story and came together and you learn so much about mary shelley uh stuff on the on the film and how they made the film i mean it's it, you know getting into brana's uh adaptation and the differences that between the, the film and the novel it's all really really interesting and it's especially interesting to me because i should point out we just had spring break uh just got back from london where i i will be writing more about some of the things we saw in london like andrew lloyd Webber's cinderella which is mm. amazing mm. but where we stayed in belgravia was literally like a five minute walk from the uh, apartment where mary shelley died no oh, wow. and there's a plaque on the side of the building that says you know mary shelley lived here as they do in london and paris 
so that was that was that was a really nice thing. So I'm kind of very much into Mary, Mary Shelley right now. You know how old Mary Shelley was when she wrote Frankenstein? Son of a seven, uh, seventeen, I want to say nineteen. Nineteen, okay, yeah, nineteen. Yeah, yeah. At nineteen damn years old, that woman wrote one of the great pieces of British literature of all time, and it was on a dare. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was on a dare. Hanging out with all that 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 little group of all of them there, and that's fantastic, man. Bunch bunch of kids taking drugs on a dare, and she writes a great piece of literature. Today, bunch of kids hang out, take drugs, take a dare, and the best you get is like a Twitter thread. Yeah, (laughs) something like that. I'd forgotten how many great people: Ian Holm and Tom Holtz and John Cleese. I'd forgotten all those, all those, all those folks in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and what we're saying about this movie doesn't apply to everyone. So, for instance, if you think about um, uh, um, uh, the one with Sting, uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. The Bride and Jennifer Beals and all of that. Yeah. That did not work then and it does not work now. No. Uh, um, so, 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 so it doesn't always apply, it, but, but sometimes it, it absolutely does. And so, anyway, great. Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, Mary, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. We should say we're going we're to talk about uh, let's, heavy metal. Let's talk, yeah, uh, let's talk about Scream. Let's get Scream oh, yeah. in there first. And the new, the new Scream. This is the new Scream. That is correct. Uh, the new Scream is out on uh, 4K. How do we feel about the new Scream? About going back and revisiting this with all the same original cast members, um, looking a lot older and. Yeah, okay. yeah, Nev and Courtney and David yeah. uh, all running around the movie, and it's all very reverential. It's you know, twenty five years later. Yeah. The, the thing about the the scream from twenty five years ago is that it was in fact a new form of horror yeah. movie. That mm-hmm. deeply self referential horror movie. It it it, it initiated that. Uh, and then, of course, 15 uh, screams came after that and all kinds of other movies that actually made fun of that. You know, all of those, yeah. uh, you know, and so, so movies, yeah, all of that. So we land back here and here they're taking it all very, very seriously. You know, it's all yeah. it's, 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 it's practically a drama. It's more drama than it is uh, uh, actual horror movie. And, I, and, you know, and I'm like, I, guys, I think we went to the well. One time too many. I'm going to say I miss Wes Craven. Wes? Because Wes knew how to modulate all of that. And uh, that's what doesn't happen here. I am so, so sorry to say. Um, So now Heavy Metal and Heavy Metal 2000 together in a 4K steelbook. It's a limited edition two movie collection. Uh, Heavy Metal 2000 is not a movie that I am terribly fond of. Uh, not in any way whatsoever. I, I don't think it works. I think it's it's a noble failure on some level that they kind of tried to, to revisit it. But mm. I think that's just kind of a, a, a bonus here. Um, I do think that the original Heavy Metal is a film that's really, really worth checking out. And um, we talked earlier about Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi did not direct this, but Ralph yeah. Bakshi is an inspiration for this. Ralph mm. Bakshi kind of opened the door for Heavy Metal, which I think, and I remember so well, I remember I begged my mother to see Heavy Metal. And uh, I said, it's an animated film. Come on, let me go. I'll go with, I'll go with the guys. It'll have a great time. And she looked at it. She's like, uh, animated film that's rated R? Yeah, that's not happening. I was so mad at her. I was so mad that I couldn't go see Heavy Metal. But, you know, she was my mother and that's, that was her job. But uh, in hindsight, being the, uh, the grown-ass man that I am now, I have to say, um, yeah, she was probably right not to let me see. Nah, that, but, the children, the children but, don't need to be in there. <laughs> but, but, but uh, I do, I do enjoy it as an adult. Well, and, and of course, um, uh, you know, friend of the podcast, friend of friend of ours, John Bruno. Yeah, uh, 
uh, very important uh, director, special effects directed the soft landing segment uh, of this. That's a, did where, he where, really? Where, oh yeah, he he, and, and he did the art for for much much more of of the movie than that. And I've, and, I, and I've actually seen his mock-ups and, and, and line animations right. and all of that stuff. But that whole thing where she's flying in, basically the poster on the back of the thing, where yeah. she flies in, John, John did all of that. Oh. Um, uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, in, in, I, wasn't, I don't know if I was thinking about it at the time, but the voices of John Candy, you know, he's gone, Joe, Joe Flaherty, uh, yeah. you know, it, it all those Canadian voices, you know. Uh, in this thing, it's just you know, it's I don't know now when I hear when I when I hear that it just you know it's it, I really love it John Vernon Gene Levy by, produced oh. by Ivan Reitman yes pointed out yes yeah. and with a wonderful score as you would expect with Ivan Reitman by Elmer Bernstein you know who of course did Ghostbusters as well but also who did the Ten Commandments so I like yeah. to point out to people Elmer Bernstein. His career spans the Ten Commandments and heavy metal. <laughs> now, how's that for diversity? Yeah, that is a that is a wild and crazy career. But uh, yeah, I, I I think this film is really a fascinating time capsule. It's good animation. It's got a great uh, rough cut commentary with Carl Matchek, um, a documentary on uh, how it was all put together and imagined. It's got a deleted scene and then an alternate framing story with commentary. So. Um, uh, you know, t- there's also the uh, the soundtrack on uh, on Dolby Atmos. Uh, there's a retrospective documentary with all kinds of people showing up in it, including Ivan Reitman before he passed, Kevin Smith. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of extras on here. But ultimately, really, it's you're watching heavy metal in 4K, and I love how it preserves the grain because that's a grainy animated movie. Yeah, there's real grain in it. You know, you really see the film, and it preserves that, and I I appreciated that. I thought that was great. Let's see. Where do we go next? New, 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 new movies, perhaps. Let's do some uh, new movies. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, 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 I say that because I see both Red Rocket and Sing Two and Marry Me in there. And I saw all those. Yeah. Uh, and Cyrano it. and all that business in there. Red Rocket. Let's get it. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, uh, so Red Rocket. <clears throat> uh, uh, Sean Baker, you know, doing his thing. Sean. Uh, uh, of course, Tangerine and all that, uh, and he has this sort of thing uh, that he does with his, uh, with his films. It's a little bit Desica esque, where he will recruit real people from real places uh, to participate in his films and and mix them in with with uh, you know working actors. And he does that here in this movie, which is about this guy, sort of washed up porn star who goes back to his little town in Texas. Uh, where he hooks back up uh, with his uh, estranged wife, uh, who had also been a, a porn star, but you know, he quit and went back home sooner. And and how he sort of gets involved with this young woman at a donut shop, and 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 with the this sort of uh, idea that he can get his career back. And 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 I got to tell you, for a while there, Simon Rex was on a whole lot of people's. Uh, you know, we gave him best actor. Yeah, Rocka gave him best actor because yeah, he give, he really gives this great performance, and he walked and he did a lot of stuff, Independence Spirit Awards, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I, I enjoy the movie. It's not my favorite Sean Baker movie, it, 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 but it's but it's pretty good. But just for for Simon Rex's uh, performance. Uh, you should give this movie a go because, yeah. the, the, you know, Simon Rex, of course, of MTV when he was a kid, young comedian, a bunch of goofy movies and all that stuff and ran around MTV 18, 19 years old. And, and I mean, now he's out in the middle 40s or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and he, he got himself a career uh, back. And this performance is what did it for him. That's that's it. Um, that's on Blu-ray. That is on Blu-ray from uh, Lionsgate. 
Mm. And then we got a Welgo title here that made its rounds a little bit in the theaters. We're giving away two of these. So, by the way, if you want some, Oof. send us an email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. Put uh, Gemini in the subject line and your name and address in the body. And we will, um, by no later than May 10th, we will uh, pick some winners and uh, send them to you. So, again, Gemini in the subject line and your name and address in the body. Get it to us before May 10th, and we will uh, send two people a copy of Project Gemini, which is, yeah, it's a total alien knockoff, and we've yeah. had a million of these, but uh, you know what? It's it's a good one. It's a, yeah. it's a really, really good one. And uh, it's, it's in English, but it is significantly, uh, I believe, either Russian or Ukrainian-made. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where KD Studios is, but nonetheless, uh, that's where a lot of the talent came from. And notwithstanding what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, I do mm. want to give some props to the, to the filmmakers here because it's, uh, it's actually really, really stylish. And I, and I hope some of these people have a career. Um, if there's a little bit of a climate change thing going on here, you know, the, the, we're in a post-apocalyptic, uh, environment and, um, there's a, uh, you're, we're looking, it's like in lost in space, right? We're looking for a, a new place to live. The earth is no longer uh, sufficiently habitable. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, they find a planet and something horrible is there and, uh, it's, it's alien all over again, but um again stylish really well made incredibly well shot high production value and yeah. um this film made the rounds a little bit in theaters it is now on blu-ray from wellgo and uh i like it and good dubbing good there. dubbing too because you know the shot it was shot in you know whatever language is, yeah. like you said, but but and then uh, you know a lot of it's dubbed and and the dubbing is fantastic guy named krill zotkin is the cinematographer kicks ass on, the, on on that movie really does yeah yeah really so, does. You know, give that work. guy some big features uh some amazing stuff uh did you see sing two yeah you know i like sing two again it was on I it was see- it was part of my short list for animated uh you know academy yeah, award uh, uh, nominees and and um it, but i like these sing movies <laughs> you know i just too. do they're I, good I, it's, it's my favorite stuff from illumination i'm not you know i'm a little bit over the 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 minions and all mm. that uh you know despicable me stuff but I thought Sing was wonderful, uh, and I really like I like Sing too. It gets a little crazy at the end, uh, you know. The whole idea here is that it's bringing the gang back together, but it's not about that initial show. Now they're they're trying to sort of step it up and and become you know major stars and do a a, a major show. And it gets a little bit uh, there's a little bit of uh, intrigue going on, but I just I love the voices. I love mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey doing that crazy koala bear. It's just so against type, but I really enjoy these films. I do too. Yeah, yeah, those are good. So uh, this also has a couple of mini movies on it, and uh, it is on Blu-ray and DVD with a Movies Anywhere code, so you can knock yourself out of Movies Anywhere. I'm sure my daughter will watch it over and over and over and over again because mm. her friends love that movie. I see the I see the jockey uh, here, yeah. which again was one of those movies that was on a whole lot of short lists last year. You know, sure as, as we were really Cliff, uh, uh, Cliff Collins Jr., Moises Arias, and you know, Clint, Clint Bentley film about, a, you know, an old jockey, uh, you know, on, on that run for that final. And, you know, it's just really a, a deeply moving, very well-made movie that, you know, I don't know, at another time, at another time, I could see, I could see it have, have going all the way. It, uh, Clifton was, Clifton Collins Jr. was getting, I mean, he's, he's, he's a character actor that people have loved for years and years yeah. and years. And he's just always been like the second or third or fourth 
guy in in the thing and this is kind of his his breakthrough um he had he was getting some love in our room when we were you know the lafka voting for best actor didn't make the short list but mm. there was a lot of love in the room and uh i i think he's really really good in this i also love molly parker in this yeah. I love her so much and i you know mom in lost in space but we've been watching her for 30 years ever since she was like 19 or whatever yeah. in that it, it illuminated whatever that was called yeah. i think where she she's the girl who has a thing for corpses yeah, that was a. That <laughs> yeah, was a, that was, you remember that? Oh yeah, and I yeah. was like, "Ooh, that's that's kind of brave." Um, let's see what else we got here. Got- I, I, Cyrano, I see Cyrano yeah. there, and I know, oh. I know you weren't as big, a big a fan of of of, oh, of, of this terrible. as me, uh, but I, but I really was. I just I, what I what I appreciated was the you know the substitution of the conceit for yeah. one thing, of, yeah. for, you know Peter Dinklage's stature for the nose. Uh, uh, is, and I, you know, I, I appreciated that. I was able to, I was able to, uh, deal with all that. And then, of course, you have all this other contemporary, you know, sort of, you know, this, that, and the other thing, uh, that's going on there. All of which is fine with me, the music and all the band and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't know, different strokes, I suppose. But it lived in that same zone as, uh, that, that's, that first Baz Luhrmann, uh, ba- uh, uh the Shakespeare, Julian? the Romeo and Juliet lived in that same space for me is where it lived. I, I think it, it needed to be more in that space for me. It was it, it, the, my problem was that it tried to keep one foot in the in the classical original telling of Cyrano, and then tried to keep another foot in things something that was more alternative. You know, multiracial mm, cast mm, and songs mm. that came out of nowhere, and uh, you know the the stature for the nose and all that stuff. I'm I'm fine with all that stuff as long as you sort of migrate it away from the the source material and and from being truly faithful to something more alternative. And I don't think it, it went far enough toward the alternative. As an example, I'm going to say like the Cinderella, the Andrew Lloyd Webber Cinderella that we saw on stage in mm-hmm, London mm-hmm. is amazing. And it does that. It sort of winks at you. It's like, yes, we're wearing period costumes. But yeah, Cinderella is going to go around with with a spray can tagging some stuff. <laughs> So okay. just as long as you know that, right? <laughs> so so you, it sort of pulls you all the way in that direction and it winks at you. And it's just so wonderful. And That's sweet. It's it's just it's a lot of fun. Um, mass is worth. Oh yeah, about. that was one that again, and 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 I remember you know watching it very diligently, you know. Yeah. And mostly, it just depressed the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it did for most people. You know, it's this is a hard movie. So just so that everyone knows, um, you take four actors: uh, Reed, Bernie, and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, and Martha Plimpton, and you put them in a room. It's two couples. One and they're trying to work something out. And there's one other actress in it. I forget her name. She's the yeah. one. Sort of, she's the social worker who brings them into the room. Yeah. But these are two couples, and one one couple, they're the parents of a kid who who was responsible for a a murderous school shooting, mm-hmm. and the other couple, their kid died. Mm-hmm. And these two parents are trying to work some stuff out. It's a completely contrived scenario, and and but it's it's very very sensitively written to give these actors a lot to chew on, a lot yeah. to develop, a lot of emotions. It's, 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 it's basically a stage piece. It's a what, stage really. piece, uh, and I think the acting is tremendous. Oh yeah, I think oh, Jason yeah. Isaacs is so freaking good. You know, it takes it all the way uh, around from that ridiculous part that he played is in in the Harry Potter films. But <laughs> yeah. but man, is it depressing to watch? It, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't give you any redemption to hang your hang your hat on. Yeah, and I and I suppose that that ultimately, uh, you know, because again, all these really amazing performances and this writing and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, but at the end of it all, I think I thought to myself, this would never happen. No, it wouldn't. 
It would never happen. And and therefore, I just, you know, it, it, it all felt like a bit of a manipulation. And it's a manipulation that leaves me feeling badly. I'm like, I don't ever want to see this again. But that, there you go. That, that, that's me. A lot of folks, though, I, I imagine it might be somewhat cathartic or whatever. Yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. Um, just a handful of uh, newish films to, to pop through. And Tim Wayne, if there's anything here that you think is highly recommended. I think these are all fairly mediocre, but they've got stars in them and they kind of have some high concept stuff. We've got mm. Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson, which is fine. It's, mm. it's, it's cute. You know, she's basically play, playing a pop star. and She's playing herself. She's playing herself. <laughs> and she is. And then Owen Wilson plays a math teacher. And oh, look, they fall in love. Mm. Uh, wrong side of the tracks. Totally different. Never would have expected that. Except for... It's Owen Wilson. Yeah. So I never quite bought him mm. as a math teacher, but that's fine. The, the, um, one, the one thing I'll say about that film is that at least, uh, you know, Jennifer at all, all the you know, filmmakers were, were bright enough to, to, to give us a wink too. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they were like, yes, we know what we're doing. Just relax. You know, it'll be, hey, it'll be, it'll be it's, fine. And it's got a movies anywhere code, which is, is fine. It's on Blu-ray. Yeah. It looks decent. Yeah. Uh, John in the hole on Blu-ray. Uh, this is from IFC. Uh, gosh, I really wanted to like this. Mm. I really did. It's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a creepy metaphor, horrific metaphor about this, this, you know, uh, bad seed type kid, this 13 year old kid played by Charlie Shotwell, mm. who, um, puts his, who, who tries to trap his family in a hole in the ground. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I get, I get the metaphor. It's really heavy handed. Uh, I just don't think it quite pulls itself together at the end. I think it, it kind of misses, I think it gets caught up in its own need to to stitch a, a, a cohesive narrative together, and it misses the metaphor. That yeah, sense. yeah. And, and again, it's this film that's working hard at being extremely dramatic and realistic. Yet, uh, I, I the first thing I thought to myself is, this would never happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and if you if you want me to, to to treat this like it's something that would happen, that's the one thing I can't do because this would never happen. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got uh, National Champions, which is very timely. Uh, this is about a player strike, a football team player strike, and uh, the the you know the players and the coach. You know, uh, Stephen mm. James is very very good. is is one of the lead players who initiates yeah. this. J.K. Simmons plays the coach. Um, and I know this is a conversation that's going on, but again, to your point, this would never happen. Yeah. It it if they they they've, they've been trying to resolve this issue in a much more um above ground legal way but players going on strike won't get the job done it just feels contrived for the sake of drama nonetheless some really good performances here i think james yeah. is great jk simmons is always yeah. great and uh you know you get some nice supporting performances here from you know tim blake donovan uh, uh, tim blake yeah. nelson uh jeffrey donovan kristen chenowitz shows up for some strange reason <laughs> yeah a little 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 real timothy oliphant timothy yeah, Olyphant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the last of these kind of uh, middling ones here is uh, Redeeming Love, which also has a Movies Anywhere code on it for those who really, really want the, the to load up on the Movies Anywhere schmaltz. Uh, uh, this is based on a novel, I guess. And it's all about, uh, you know, uh, gooey drama during the California Gold Rush back in uh, 1850. And uh, nobody in this looks like they actually lived in California. <laughs> They've just got white teeth and sparkling skin. This, this, this is that DJ Caruso film, right? Uh, is it, did DJ Caruso direct this? Uh, is, I, 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 you're just, right. You're right. Yeah, yes, DJ yeah. Caruso did direct this. Yes, yeah. it's just, yeah, just a weird. You know, DJ goes. You know, I mean, just, you know, Nick of Time, Johnny Depp yeah. film from a thousand yeah. years ago, and I think he, I think he knocked off one of those triple X's and. 
and and you yeah. know just I, I don't know just so weird i just yeah. i don't know yeah, yeah it's just it's just eagle eyes dj caruso yeah it's just know. every no nobody nobody looks like they li- nobody looks like they're living in the west this isn't 1850 their skin is too good their teeth too good their <laughs> hair is too good it just no Man. no um so let's talk about flea for a second Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that was uh, one again. A lot of you know, and it, 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 it was you know, I don't know. Uh, uh, how did you feel about it? I mean, first film ever to get three Academy Award nominations yeah. and lose them all. It 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 was nominated for foreign film, animated film, and documentary, mm. which is quite a thing. Mm. It's impressive, but I I feel like the story of this guy, this Afghan, this 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 Afghan refugee who was also gay, I feel like that story is in one way they felt like animation was their best way into the story, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel like the animation takes me away from the story. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I totally. so I am I am very ambivalent about it. I'm curious about your thoughts. Well, I look at this movie, and then, and 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 if, you know, perhaps unfairly, I bump it up against a movie like Waltz with Bashir, yeah, uh, from a, from a, from from a few years ago, uh, and 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 because it's kind of a similar kind of thing going on, some storytelling is going on here, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, and and somehow this movie just doesn't have the sort of weight uh, with me that Waltz would. With Bashir had, you know, different sort of stories, uh, generally speaking. Uh, uh, but I, I don't know. Um, and and, and it, you know, interesting to me that that you know, nominated for all in all three of those categories, and, and it was not my choice in any of those categories. Um, 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 uh, though I, you know, though though I appreciate the storytelling and the narrative, it's just you know, it didn't it didn't get there for me for a whole bunch of different reasons. I would agree. So um, let's talk for a second now about Spider-Man: No Way Home, Wowzers. which which, which uh, we we were not sent on 4K, but I did get a 4K streaming code for it and was able to look at that compared to the Blu-ray. In a weird way, and I can't judge the 4K disc on this, but in a weird way, watching that 4K stream, mm. I actually prefer the Blu-ray disc better. Mm. Is that wrong? No, the no. Blu-ray disc, the Blu-ray disc on a 4K player, I should point out, mm-hmm. on a 4K 4K player taking a Blu-ray disc and upscaling it to 4K, for some reason, and again, it's you know it's a nice player, um, for some reason that winds up looking less compressed to me than the 4K stream that I <laughs> got on on Movies Anywhere. So take that for what you will. But the um, the movie No Way Home, I'm not a fan of. I know fans were crazy about it. I, I sat in an audience with this thing and people were screaming and hollering. Mm. To me, basically, this is a lesson in how Disney convinces Sony to spend $200 million on a uh, commercial for the next Doctor Strange movie. Mm. Uh, look, uh, uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, John Watts, John Watts, right? Uh, director of this thing, yeah, yeah, who just who just dropped out of uh, directing something. What was he? Oh, really? Direct? Yeah, oh, he was he was doing that he was doing that untitled uh, Clooney thing. Uh, you know, with Clooney and Pitt, and he just and, dropped and, out of some other superhero thing. Uh, uh, that, yeah, that, interesting. Cool. I think he was yeah. doing the old man too, but he, but he, interesting. Uh, so 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 whatever. Anyway, I wasn't paying any attention to this guy. He, he used to do a bunch of stuff on the Onion Network. Yeah, uh, and then he and then he made this fairly decent movie with Kevin Bacon called Cop Car. You know, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty, whatever the heck it was, and out of that, he gets Spider Man Homecoming, and I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> as, as as was once said by somebody somewhere, we do the Onion, 
And and, and a, you know, and, and a twenty five dollar movie with with Kevin Bacon it was pretty good. I liked it. You know, <laughs> cop car. Uh, and then Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah. Well, and I just I just do not understand this industry anymore. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm like, this has got to be about. I mean, I don't know who represents him. Who are you? That's because that, that, that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. You used to have to be Robert fucking Zemeckis or, or, <laughs> yeah. or, 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 you know, someone, you, you know, the guy's Donner uh, in they order want, to get these movies. Those guys have visions and they have opinions and they are controlling. And that's the whole point now is that you have a pipeline and a process for making these movies and they want the directors to be as minor a player as possible. They want the TV model where mm. somebody, where the studio is the showrunner. The studio takes it over and they let the CG artists do what the producers want. And mm. uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit, well, you know, I, I, I see where it's going. I'm cynical about it. But either way, I mean, this movie is gimmicky and I, I didn't much care for it. But I know all, all, it's, it's the one with all the damn Spider-Mans. Yeah. It's just a whole bunch of damn Spider-Mans. It's a lot of very predictable jokes. And, and, you know, for a big chunk in the middle of the movie, it's not even trying to push the plot forward. It's just it's just inside jokes and one liners that get very old. But look, who am I? Millions, millions <laughs> of people loved it. It's the one like, that made yeah. all the money. It it's, made all the money. And it pulled everybody back to the theaters after the pandemic. Yeah. So I yeah. think we we owe it that. Um, Jackass Forever. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. no. I'm really. But you know what? It made a couple bucks. It did. But... It, it made a couple bucks. I was never a Jackass guy. I'm still not a Jackass guy. You know, I, I, but you know, I don't, I don't even know what to say, 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 I can't, you know, I, I don't know. They I just... watched as much of this as I could take. And here's here's why I couldn't take too much of it. Because when these guys were all younger and I was younger, I I would watch it and I would think, well, you know, that's it's that's what they do. But they, they bounce right back up again. Look at them. You yeah. Know, they bounce yeah. right back up. I know where I'm at. I know <laughs> uh, I know that when I wake up and my back hurts and my feet hurt just walking. And uh, I've got to push myself to actually run a few miles in the morning. Now I look at these guys and I think, you're going to kill yourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not fun anymore. No, and it's not funny either. No. It was never funny to me. So it's not like it used to be funny and then it stopped being funny for me. It was never funny. It's just even that much less funny. That first Jackass movie was 20, uh, oh, two, 20 yeah. years ago. This is, yeah. So this is like the 20-year anniversary. And, you know, and Johnny Knoxville has white hair, dude. Uh, yeah, so, you know... <laughs> Yeah. I'm not. I'm not into it, guys. I'm not into it. You guys look ridiculous. Uh, there's a there's a movie I'll go over really quickly. The King's Daughter, which sat on the shelf for a long time, with mm. uh, Pierce Brosnan playing King Louis the Fourteenth, uh, the guy who built the Palace of Versailles. Now, last summer we were able to go visit the Palace of Versailles, and I showed my daughter the you know the history, and we became very obsessed with the King Louis and their history and Marie <laughs> Antoinette and all that stuff. So in any case, uh, it was nice to see that they shot this at Versailles because we were we could go like, oh, we were there. And that's right by the fountains. And so I was able to watch this and sort of enjoy the geography and not pay attention to the story, which is stupid. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is basically which like... Which is terrible because this is just James Seamus, dude. That's uh, that's, that's Ang Lee's, that's Ang Lee's uh, screenwriter. Not just it's, James, but you know what? It's based on a book, and yeah. that's the problem. It's based on a Vonda McIntyre book, uh, which should be good. Vonda McIntyre is a great novelist, but... For whatever reason, uh, it, the it just doesn't work as a movie. It is effectively a, it's a, it's like a spin on Beauty and the Beast meets The Shape of Water. Yeah, and uh, you know the 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 king's daughter, 
uh, who's illegitimate and get is brought back to the palace where she gets to know her dad. But then she finds out that he's trying to become immortal because there's like a mermaid that they've captured. And there's some oh, myth man. about mermaid juice helps you live longer <laughs> or something. I don't know. It, it's uh, just, it just got very silly at a certain point. Um, one of, one of, uh, one of William Hurt's, uh, last roles, last roles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moonfall with Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson. So, mm. uh, this is, I did not set this aside for the 4k cause it doesn't really warrant it. It is, it is on 4k however, but, but, uh, just as a new movie, uh, is worth talking about because this is a Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah, man. Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich does, does this thing where he will make like a real movie once in a while, like anonymous and then yeah. it flops. And then he goes, or, 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 uh, or Stonewall, right. Yeah. And flops and he goes, screw it. I'm going to go make some <laughs> dumb big budget crap again. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go blow some stuff up real good. <laughs> and, and he, he like, does. and so he does. And, uh, I don't know how much this made, but, uh, but the, here's the thing. It's almost as if he knows that the plot of this thing is so ridiculous, no one is going to take it seriously. So just go for broke. Hey, look, there's look. The, the, the moon gets knocked out of its orbit. You and I both have a, you know, a, a yes. you know, the moon in its orbit and space 1999 and all kinds of stuff to it. Yeah. So just that alone, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh-huh. and then and then so Roland makes this big ridiculous movie. Which I loved, by the way, this big ridiculous movie because Roland blows shit up real good. He always has. He all Independence Day. He's trolling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's it, a little bit like uh, what was the Michael Bay uh, Ben Affleck thing? Uh, oh, uh, uh, with the uh, 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 was that was that one Armageddon or was Armageddon, that one? Armageddon? Yeah, Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, trying to blow up the asteroid. Bruce. Bruce when Bruce yeah, when Bruce, Bruce was, was still solid and, yeah. and 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 all of that, you know. And it's and it's like that, you know. It's yeah. like as opposed to that other one. Uh, that, that took itself real serious. Yeah, it came out at the same time. Completely forgotten thing. Yeah, because it took itself real serious. <laughs> so you know, there you go. Don't do that. Uh, just, just, just blow them. Just blow the shit up, boy. There we go. Well, that's it for the new movies. Let's let's do some uh, TV, and I want to get through some of the criterions here. Oh cause, yeah, because during our our uh, layoff. Um, when I was able to see some really great stuff, and did, did I mention I went to Stonehenge? I think I sent you. Oh yeah, me at yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's guy. It was one of the first things you guys did. That was just oh, fantastic, man. Gosh, it was cold. It was so cold. It's twenty eight degrees at six forty five in the morning, but you get to go inside the stones. Life changing. You, you, oddly though, and I don't know. I mean, people go to Stonehenge. You know, I do Stonehenge. You know, forty years ago, whatever. Yeah. I did. I was Stonehenge, and and this is forty years ago. So I mean, literally, you could you, you could just you know. Oh, that's and, where people were having parties there. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoking heroin and all kinds of whack because they had yeah. to, and go to Stonehenge. And I'm like, this, this smells funny. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. what I was. I was they, just, it's under really 24 hour, uh, 24 hour armed guard now. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can't just so yeah. doesn't smell funny anymore because nobody pees on it. <laughs> <laughs> but in '81, people peed on Stonehenge. That's just oh man. So here's what, here's what we got on criteria, and this is all the new stuff in criteria. And I'm going to run through the titles right now, and we're going to talk about a few of them. Le Cercle Rouge, mm. the uh, Jean-Pierre Melville movie. Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz. Mm. Um, a, 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 a fascinating 1975 film that very few people may have heard of, Adoption by a director named Marta Mazaros. I'll say something about that in a second. Flight of the Phoenix mm-hmm. uh, by Robert Aldrich with Jimmy Stewart and Robert Attenborough. 
Uh, Love Jones by Theodore oh. Witcher. My guy, my movie. Bertrand Tavernier's Round Midnight. Oh, wow. With Dexter Gordon and an amazing score by uh, Herbie Hancock, which won yeah. an Academy Award. Yeah. Uh, Tom Ewell and Jane Mansfield in The Amazing The Girl Can't Help It, directed by Frank Tashlin, best known for his Jerry Lewis movies, but man, is he good with Jane Mansfield. Um, one of the very first ever Criterions. This is number 54 in the Criterion. Uh, canon and it's wow. finally out on 4k for all mankind yeah. uh the very underrated alex cox movie walker um the uh, the beautiful vittoria de sica film miracle in milan oh wow and the movie best known as this is my desire uh uh I don't even know how to pronounce the the actual title. Uh, a it, it, it's it's a it, you know it's a Nigerian film. A, emoji emoji I think is the the way that you pronounce it. Anyway, mm. um, I'll set that aside with adoption. Let's talk about the other stuff. Anything in here that just uh, we should highly highly recommend above everything else because they're all great. And I I don't know what how to pick. Them well, up. you know, for me, I always have to. I always have whenever Love Jones comes comes up, I have to talk yeah. about Love Jones. Uh, the 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 one and only feature film that Theodore Witcher ever made. Right. Uh, which is. Perfectly bizarre to me. Uh, Sherman actually, he was a commercial director, Theodore. So Sherman actually did a, um, I think it was like a Nike commercial or something like that. Yep. Uh, that he did. He worked in with, with theater, you know, 25, 30 years ago, our friend Sherman Augustus. But this film, uh, Lawrence Tate and Neil Long and Isaiah Washington became this just classic, classic film, Lisa Nicole Carson. Um, uh, a beautiful, beautiful love story. Um, um, uh, that, uh, that, that gave us a fantastic soundtrack and, and, and made, and made some movie stars out of some of these people. Certainly, Isaiah Washington. Certainly Isaiah Washington, certainly yeah. Neil alone, certainly Lawrence Tate. Uh, and you know, it's just, it's really, really, really great thing. So, and it, and it, and the thing of it is it holds up, uh, really uh it it's absolutely so totally holds up. And I think part of that, it, yes, it's the performances, but I think it is so beautifully photographed. Oh Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it just, it's, it's got this, this really wonderful textured cinematography. It just captures, you know, the, the 1990s in a way that very few films do. Absolutely. Ernst Holtzman, uh, director of photography on that film. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Yeah. I think the 4K of For All Mankind is also really, really welcome. I'm glad that they've, uh, they've, they've cranked that up. Um, you know, again, this is the, the, you know, all, all about the uh, space program Apollo 11. Yeah. And uh, really, the, you know, many movies have been made since about this subject and using a lot of the same footage. But this still has that philosophical undertone to it that I think is, is just so profound. And uh, it's been a Criterion favorite for a long time. 4K is absolutely the right way. You, you, you should upgrade. You really should upgrade. Yeah. For sure. Um, Walker is a movie I want to talk to you just for a second about. You know, Alex Cox made this crazy, weird, anachronistic story uh, about William Walker, played by Ed Harris here, mm -hmm. which kind of takes an approach to, to Walker the way that Jesus Christ Superstar took to the story of, of Jesus. And uh, it's, you know, it, it, it had a lot, of, a lot of anachronistic stuff going on here that's very weird and alternative and um, meant to reflect on the current situation or the situation at the time in 1987, yeah, 80s, Sandinistas, yeah. Nicaragua, and kind of draw the two together in a very ham-handed, obvious way. But at the same time, it's an Alex Cox movie. What do you yeah. want? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a repo man, you know. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's something glowing, something weird in the trunk. <laughs> that yeah, Rene, I love the. I love. I love Ed Harrison, and, and for sure. But I love Rene Obergenois 
yeah. in, in this film, uh, uh, Richard Marsher. And if, if, if I love, well, of that and, and my homie, uh, my homie Cy Richardson, uh, as uh, Captain Hornsby in this film. So a lot of, you know, Peter Boyle, John Deal, all Marley Matlin, all kinds of great people in this film, but just, you know, really, really, really just a, just an excellent cast in, in a really weird story. Totally true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, around midnight, I, I I love to talk about too. Um, how many is, is Dexter Gordon the only person who has ever been nominated uh, for Best Actor for playing himself? Ah, uh, well, you know what? That's a good one. With that figure, only you would be able to answer. I think <laughs> but that's, that's just so. fantastic. Yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, and, and he's good at it, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And as, as anyone might know from watching that that Clint Eastwood movie with the the three three guys who were on the train in France. Um, Playing yourself is not as easy as you might no. think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them got it right. <laughs> one of them got it right. The other two were were one was pretty bad at it. Uh, and, so- and there are a lot of neat people in this movie. You know, Dexter Gordon playing, but Herbie Hancock is in this movie, and 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 and, and you know, uh, just Lynette McKee, and 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 a lot of people. You know, it's just really, really beautiful story. Even even Martin Scorsese walking around in a part in the movie. Martin yeah. Scorsese is walking around in this movie. So, you know, it's a really interesting thing that Bertrand was doing. I I, I adore Bertrand Tavernier. One a little favorite... De Sica-esque. I know we're going to talk about a De Sica yeah. movie, but, you know. Uh, Tavernier is one of my all-time favorite directors. He's an, a lovely man. I met him once at the uh, City of Light, City of Angels Festival here in L.A., and he's just, he's he was so, so wonderful. Big, huge body, big personality, loved movies could talk about them endlessly so much energy and his passion for jazz and cinema mm. uh come together in this incredible movie and round midnight i still think is is really a rare masterpiece it's 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 american it's french it's 80s it's yet it feels also very 60s and it's mm. you know gordon is wonderful but man that herbie hancock score which won an oscar yeah. is, is just it is it is Poetic jazz. It is really amazing. He, we just lost him last year, I think. We did. Uh, not long yeah, ago. I'm glad we have that, that great, uh, his, his great um, documentary on the mm. history of French cinema. Yeah. Too. I remember the day in 90, whatever year it was, that Captain Conan came out. Oh, uh, and, and that you that you told me about that movie. You were just you were you were ebullient about that movie. And, and, and completely correctly. And and I felt the same way when I when the first time I saw it all starts today about the oh, teacher yeah and, and, you know and I was like wow you know just wow anyway whatever and, he's one and, of those and guys I, and talking about Tavernier one of his best films is still not on Blu-ray even it's L six twenty seven and mm. uh, it was released by Kino I think locally um, or, or in in theaters but. Either way, it's uh, it's not out, and it's a crime. I mean, Fresh Bait, which won the Berlin Film Festival, never got a, a release here. It, mm-hmm. it also needs to be out on Blu-ray. But L627 is about the uh, the the uh, elite narcotics squad in Paris in the in the police department, mm-hmm. and it's one of the best police thrillers I've ever seen. It does for the police what it all starts today did for the educational system. It gets right inside the bloodstream. Mm. And man, it is harrowing. I mean, it's 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 just it's really intense and it's so good. I mean, man, I miss I really miss him. Mm. Uh let's talk about Sika for a second. Your boy Vasika yeah, yeah. in Milan. Yeah. From uh, 1951. Uh it, kind of a it, it's sort of sort of a light playful film in, yeah. the, in the De Sica body of work is this one of his best or kind of a how do we how do we position this one 
Well, it's, it, it, it is much light, lighter, isn't it, uh, than, than than something like Open City uh, or, or uh, uh, the Bicycle the, Thieves, the Bicycle Thieves, and all that kind of stuff. It is much lighter than that. Uh, a little bit later, it, it, it has a smile uh, uh, to it, but it's also, you know, it's about the struggles of of, of or it's that thing that he always talks about: the struggles of real people in real places. Yeah. Uh, um, um, and and this is about an orphan. Uh, and uh, roaming around Milan, and it's just you know again beautifully done, and 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 I, and I absolutely love it. I, I, you know, I'm a you know, I'm a ridiculous fan. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of great stuff on this. Uh, there's an audio interview from the uh, 1960s where he looks back on his career and um, reflects very, very, um, very. There's a little bit of melancholy there. There's also a feature length documentary from 2019 on the screenwriter Cesare Zavattini, who's also quite a something of a legend in Italian cinema. And uh, that's uh, that is a wonderful Blu-ray. And then before I la- talk about these last two, The Girl Can't Help It with uh, Tom Mule and Jane's Ma- Jane Mansfield is mm. is just great. Frank Tashlin right. absolutely kills it in this. Even if you're not into like a whole Jane Mansfield thing, I mean, it's a really funny, silly movie, a lot of fun stuff. I just want to say this thing has a load of extras that you've got to watch. They're really fun. They take you right back to the period. And it has performances in it yeah, man. that Little Richard, yeah. uh, uh, Eddie Cochran, The Platters, yeah. Fats Domino, Julie London. I mean, it's a it's a big deal. The performances here are are you know significant. Oh, so, dude, Abby Lincoln, yeah, yeah, just just fantastic. Yeah, it's just, amazing. Yeah. Um, Imoji, this is my desire. I hope I'm I'm you know not destroying that. This is made by a filmmaking team named Ari and Chuko. This is a Nigerian film from uh, 2020 just a couple of years ago and uh in nigeria has what's known as nollywood after mm. bollywood after mm. hollywood uh, mm. there's a tremendous amount of filmmaking that goes on in nigeria it is the filmmaking capital of africa but mm. like bollywood the films significantly don't often travel they frankly don't even travel that far in africa they travel mm. widely in nigeria and uh we would do well to start discovering some of this stuff because there's a lot of really fascinating totally uh daring filmmaking going on right now and uh this is this takes place in lagos uh, lagos nigeria which you know is a is kind of an infamous city when i worked for air france lagos was if anybody was going to or through especially through lagos you were on the drug trafficking radar of the federal (laughs) because lagos is like the drug trafficking hub of the world (laughs) for some reason so and i saw people who were pulled out of line at lax and and government officials started tearing through their luggage right then and there in the open of the inter- of the Tom Bradley terminal because they were you know flagged for going through Lagos for some reason and going to some other destination. Uh, so Lagos is a is a fascinating, complicated city. It is it's got great poverty, but it also has great cosmopolitan, uh, very modern parts to it. It's a fascinating place, and um, they shot Lagos on sixteen millimeter. And in a very Desica kind of a way, mm-hmm. captured the the rhythm of this city as seen by two very different people. And uh, you know, one's a hairdresser, and the other one is an electrician. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there it deals with their their dreams, their aspirations, their 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 demons, all of this stuff. And it really is. It's like it's like Desica in Africa, and it's a tremendous movie. It's so um, rich. It's so rich. It's yeah. really rich. So uh, Ari and Chuko. You know, I, I hope they keep making movies. I don't want them to get hijacked by Hollywood or Europe. Keep making movies in Nigeria, but let's release those things here because we yeah. can see them. Yeah. And similarly, this 1975 film Adoption by Marta Mazaros, 
which I had never heard of. This mm. is a Hungarian movie. Hungarian movies, again, like like those in Nigeria, don't really travel outside of Hungary. But um, the, uh, the I'd like to find out more about about her as a filmmaker. Uh, really, really interesting, obviously, because as a woman working in you know filmmaker a filmmaker in Europe in the 1970s, not a lot of them outside of France mm. and and Italy. And this thing won the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, this also is a story of two people, in this case, two women. Uh, one is a factory worker, uh, and the uh, uh, the other one is a um, a teenage, a, a kind of a teenager who wants to uh, marry her boyfriend. And it is about how these two kind of come together and what it says about all of the forces that were at work in Hungary in the 1970s, which is, of course, before the, the fall of communism. So mm-hmm. it is still very much an oppressive state. And you learn a lot about that at this point in time. It's a really wonderful movie. And, oh, has yeah. some, some, you know, not a ton, but it has some really, really good extras, including a 1964 short film made by the same director. Uh, so uh, some good stuff there. Tim, before we wrap out, um, anything else? Got a f- Should we do a little bit of TV? Why not? Finalize things? All right. That's Why not? TV. Let's what, do a little bit of TV, man. What looks good in the TV pile? Uh, uh, well, let's see. What, what do I actually know about here? Oh, my God. Ghosts. That, that series is hysterical. Okay. Um, and again, it's one of those series that, that, that's so, I don't know, whatever. It's, it's, it's about this house. It's about a haunted house uh, where the people who, who who move into the house can see the ghosts. And it takes me back to those wonderful uh, – who was it? Bob Powell and Myrna Loy. Uh, was, was that – the ghost of Mrs. Muir? Was that them? Yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, ghost of Mrs. Muir was originally a movie, but then it became the the, the – That series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah series. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes me back to that stuff. It's just so funny. Uh, and, and but you have to accept this this sort of nutty nutty uh, conceit, and it's a yeah, I think it was BBC. This is a BBC, a BBC show, show. And, I, and it adapted well, and it cracks me up, and I really really like it. And what would that be? I guess it's got to be season one. Season one, season one of uh, the one Ghosts from the BBC. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, I, I I've got to watch it now, man. I love I love I love I love because the, the jokes are so obvious, yeah. <laughs> but that's why they're funny, and and, and, and that's when you know, they get that. Uh, yeah. We also have uh, CSI Vegas season one. I don't understand mm. why. Um, yeah, well, we, we, yeah. we've, we've had uh, probably 75 years worth of CSI between all the various shows. And uh, now we're going to start doing this in Vegas. I'm not sure how that's different just because we get to see Vegas on a weekly basis. But um, I've tried watching a few of these. It's fine. It's the same old deal. Yeah. Um, it's like the Law and Orders. You know, you're kind of going through the motions. If you don't like the cast, you're not going to like the show. So it really, really hinges on the cast and the characters, not the CSI-ness. I always felt like CSI is a little bit of a cheat. How are we going to solve this crime? Well, let's just look at something. Oh, there it is through the microscope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that blue Put that blue light on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that usually takes care of it. Dude, The Handmaid's Tale. I got to tell you, deeply appreciate The Handmaid's Tale, but I had to tap out. Um, it was just, it has, you know, what is this like season four? I think I think uh, I tapped yeah, this is I, season four. I think I tapped middle of three or something like that. I'm like, this is the bleakest, most miserable, just, you know what I mean? Because it had, it had this way of walking you up to a win or even sometimes handing you yeah. a win, you know, for, for your character, for your yeah. heroine and then snatching it back. And, and that show again, would again, just leave me so freaking miserable that I literally, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tap out of this for a while. And then, of course, I also live in America. So, so, so you know, Handmaid's Tale. 
And 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 I will say this, um, you know, I I, I love her. No, uh, yes, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I, uh, Moss, I, I, Moss, Moss, Moss. Elizabeth Moss. I yeah. I really love her. I think she's wonderful. But here is the thing. Here's here's what's interesting. The guy who produced the original um, Volker Schlondorf Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, 1990. Uh, yeah, whatever it was, 25 think, some years ago. Uli directed that film, I think. Uh, no, it was it was uh, Schlondorf. Oh, Slondorf. That's right. Schlondorf. Not, not Lost World. Yeah. Uh, well, the guy who produced it back then has produced nothing in his career other than that movie and this series. And this series. Yeah. So he optioned a property, made a movie about it, and then he sat on that thing for two decades and was able to reboot it as a series. Uh, yeah. That's working. That's working something. Well, or or when sat on it for two decades, and when somebody figured out that they wanted to reboot it as a series, yeah. they had to come to him. Yeah, uh, uh, we're talking about Bruce Miller, uh, and they had to come. They had to come to him, uh, and uh, and and he put his name at the top of all of it, uh, and it's taken a big old chunk. But I gotta tell you, I doubt that Bruce has anything whatsoever to do nope. with anything creative whatsoever. But they had to come to him because Bruce, if he's nothing else, he's a hell of a businessman. The complete season—that means they couldn't couldn't get anybody to renew it. Uh, <laughs> the, the complete season of Power Saban's Power Rangers Samurai is uh, pretty much basically the exact same thing that they've done like 50 times previously. Mm. Uh, just different costumes, different colors, but it's the same deal. Uh, this is three discs. Uh, just ridiculous nonsense stuff. The, the, the only interesting things here are the bloopers. Mm. Otherwise, the, this the, I don't know how they keep these things going. I don't know why they keep making more and more and more. I don't know what the audience is. I guess maybe each generation of kids thinks it's new. Kind of like... Ultraman. <laughs> I can uh, segue from that to this. We got two yeah. Ultraman titles here. One is the uh, complete series of Ultraman Ultra Seven, and the other one is uh, Ultraman Superior Eight Ultra Brothers. <gasps> I um, I'm kind of tapping out on this stuff too myself because yeah. I it's just it's starting to all run into each other and it's all kind of the same. But uh, you know, again, as with the Power Rangers, somebody watches this stuff. Yeah. somebody's you know somebody is compelled by it i loved ultraman as a kid but yeah. one series yeah not 20 of them and none of it's ever been better than the original none, none of it of them are better than the original not, I, not I, I i tried really especially the ultra uh, the, the superior eight ultra brothers thing yeah. i tried to figure out what the lore is i i can't make sense of it i cannot make sense of it they explain it i still don't get it yeah. uh and then also jackie gleason television treasures uh this is a nice little um single disc thing from mpi it just puts mm. a lot of great it's like a cornucopia of jackie gleason highlights from the uh, from his tv uh his tv legacy mm. jackie gleason show bits from the honeymooners uh all kinds of other stuff it's really quite nice uh i'm a huge jackie gleason fan i would yeah. love to have all of that stuff in a giant boxed set but as night you know uh i watched this stuff as a kid and uh, i like having it in kind of a greatest hits collection like this it really yeah. is it's kind of nice just watched uh, nothing. I just watched nothing in common. Uh, you know, him, him and Tom Hanks in eighty yeah. whatever back in the Gary day. Gary Marshall, man. Gary Marshall film, yeah, so great. Tom's, so Tom, Tom's still with us. Still got Tom. I yeah. think even Maurice Saints is still with us too. So. That was that's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Um. Uh, what other things do we have here? We got a few things from Acorn. Let me just mention it. I see Walking Dead though. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, I, I see that. Walking Dead, The World Beyond, the final whatever. Yeah. The, you know, you, you Walking Dead, and again. Uh, you know, um, this is going to focuses on like the first generation of the right at the top of the apocalypse of, of, of the zombie Julio Armand and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, 
And I'm like, okay, li- literally, guys, you're going to loop this shit back around on me. Because <laughs> you know, so, we walking dead, and then we we feared of the walking dead. And I'm thought, okay, I figure out all the dead have walked, and they and, and somehow they folded time. <laughs> so that they take us back to the top, and they're going to yeah. walk us through us again. But there it is, you know, there it is. I am just, I am just endlessly amazed at how they keep finding ways to reboot some of this stuff. It, it really kind of blows me away. It kind of blows me away. Yeah. They just keep coming up with it. Um, we're going to run out of time here in a second, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm going to let Tim uh, go on with his day, and I'll get on to getting this show produced. But we we got a few things here from Acorn TV, mm-hmm. and it's all really, really quite good. Mostly, you know, British themed stuff, as the Acorn stuff is, or mm-hmm. or, or certainly, uh, you know, sometimes Australian and New Zealand. That's the uh, or Canadian anything anything within the Commonwealth. That's where uh, Acorn's <laughs> bread is buttered. Yeah. But some some worth some some series really worth checking out. Uh, I'll tell you the uh, Manhunt, the Night Stalker or series two is worth it just because of Martin Clunes. Martin mm-hmm. Clunes has never been a movie star, but man, is he a TV star in the UK? Um, he is, uh, he's just great, especially in mystery stuff, especially in cop stuff, plays a, a DCI here. Um, looking for, looking for, you know, uh, serial killers. And he just, it's completely different from anything he's done previously. Mm-hmm. Really well directed by Mark Evans. This is the uh, second series and uh, it's a it's a good show. It's a really good show. There's also the first series of uh, Deng- Dalglish, which is based on the uh, novels by P.D. James. Mm-hmm. These are also mysteries. And uh, this is also very new and uh, very, very well written. Uh, Jeremy Irvine is a perfect star for this. Uh, he just he just locks it all down and just makes you totally buy into it. Some wonderful, wonderful acting. Um, and this is, uh, takes place in Northern Ireland. Uh, then there is series mm-hmm. one of the Madame Blanc mysteries with Sally Lindsay, another wonderful actress. This is more kind of murder. She wrote uh, a little more Agatha Christie esque and, uh, but still really, really rock solid, mm-hmm. uh, mysteries originally aired in the UK on channel five. Uh, and the last two here are both series two, uh, family business oh, yeah. series two. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty great. Uh, as well, I I didn't expect this. This is a French drama. And, about the people growing the weed, right? The cannabis. Uh, the yeah. This is this is uh this this is a um. It, it's 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 all it's family legal drama actually. It's all <laughs> oh, know, it's different. Okay. Yeah. This is this is no. This is this is uh not the the movie family business. This is all of the stuff that goes on in kind of in French family court which deals with custody, which deals with divorces, which occasionally deals with some really bad crimes, you know, domestic no. abuse and that kind of stuff. So it's, mm. uh, it's about a, effectively a, a, um, a law firm comprised of a mother and a daughter. They form their own law firm. They're the ones that handle these cases. So it's, um, it's not mm. the best thing. It's not the best thing from French TV. It's interesting that, uh, you know, it's one of the few things that Acorn pulls from um, non-English language countries. As is the very last one, the Summerdahl murders, which mm. is great. Oh, yeah. um, this is a this is you know that that in the Scandinavians can do such dark stuff, some really really horrible dark stuff. And this is a Danish, I guess the only way is it's like Danish murder noir. Yeah, and um, I think some of the some of the the Swedish stuff is is more interesting, but it's darker. This kind of strikes a really good tone, which is what makes it good for Acorn and people who like uh, British shows. Um, you know, it's got some 
some character stuff, some some relationship stuff going on. Gets a little bit LA lawish at a time mm. at times, but otherwise, uh, really, really excellent uh, procedural and and mystery stuff. Great acting. Uh, a lot of people, I, I just hope they show up in some really, really good uh, and wonderful background too. It's this this wonderful coastal town where it's mm. shot. It's just beautiful, you know, really beautiful stuff. So the Summer Doll Murders, S O M M E R D A H L Murders series two. Yeah. All right, Tim. With that, let's hope uh, nobody gets assaulted on stage <laughs> or punched or anything this mm. week. My goodness, uh, yeah, the world needs to just get it. You know, and Dave Chappelle, man, there he is on the stage getting tackled. He didn't even do the tackling, but <laughs> now he's 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 blown the pandemic. He right off the state the news cycle. He's yeah. blown Ukraine out of the news cycle. Yeah. He took uh, everything else out of the news cycle except for Will Smith and Chris Rock, because Chris Rock also happened to be there making a Will, Will Smith joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there it is. It's the wackiest thing in the world, man. Uh, uh, so you know, but uh, what as things go, you know, given given that it turned out okay. That's yeah. okay. That's that, that's 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 the least of our problems. We'll be yeah, on. yeah. It's all good. All right, everybody. We will be back. Uh, we got a little bit of a backlog here, so we got a lot of stuff we did not get through today. Some Warner Archive stuff. Some some other classics. Some Arrow titles. We will uh, we will do our best to uh, come back sooner rather than later. Tim, oh. are you on? Are you on Film Week again anytime soon? I, I think I'm on for the for the uh, Tom Cruise uh, movie for for Maverick. Okay. Uh, which 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 releases next week. So who knows? Maybe by the time we we do this again, we'll be able to talk. Uh, talk well, on. are you going to be there on the uh, on the tenth at that screening at uh, I, I, Century y- City? Yes, yes, I definitely am. Well, I will I will be there. I am uh, bringing a songwriter friend of mine as my guest. Oh well, well okay. you can bring a guest. I did not know that. Well, I am bringing him as a guest. I'm going to okay. guarantee that. But but it's interesting because he had a song on the original Top Gun soundtrack. Oh, get out of here! Who are you bringing? Uh, Michael J. Oh, okay. that is insane! Yeah. That's yeah. That, that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, because because he's he's I'm you know he's he's moving. Uh, let's just say he's moving to the songwriting capital of the world. So I uh, hope he doesn't mind my saying that. But yeah. uh, but uh, in any case, um, so uh, this is going to be our little swan song for our local get-togethers, and uh, we'll we'll talk Top Gun at that time with him. Oh, so yeah. I'll see you there. I'll see you at that screening. We gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta do a Top Gun podcast. Top Gun was a big deal. Nineteen eighty six, of course. Yeah. Uh, when, when when that movie came out, and it literally drove uh, in, enlistment and into all branches of the military. Yeah, it, 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 I was an usher at the man's. I was an usher at the man's national. I was actually chief of staff, which didn't mean anything. I was an usher at the man's national theater when that opened. And here's what I remember. And I eventually later took a uh, a post production sound course through the academy with the woman who was the sound designer and sound editor, principal sound editor for the film. And I remember talking to her at that, and she said, "You know, they played it too loud, right?" <laughs> like that was the first thing. Was she was horrified when she came to that? She's like, "Are you kidding me? It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be this loud." It just cranked it all the way up. Top Gun, big movie, pivotal movie. Uh, yeah, I, I can remember. I remember the first time I saw it. All I can, I was just out of the Air Force, which was weird. So I had this whole sort of like competitive thing going on, you know, because you know yeah. we were F, we were F 16s and F 14s. And, yeah. <laughs> it was a hell of a thing. So we'll talk about that. That's for sure. We'll talk about it next week. All right. All right, we'll be back in a week or so. See everybody. Have a great time. Thank you.
Thank you.